You call yourself a maker? You smell like fair and corn chips. Drop and give me 45 minutes. This is not your grandparents' tinker toys. This is a creator's collective, private. Listen up and don't give me that face. Herberholtz, Wright, and Walker are about to demonstrate the proper way to create. And if you have questions, you had better be in the live chat. Otherwise, I'm going to plant my boots so far up your hiney that your mother is going to be crying. Now, listen up, you jelly-pasted cow pies. And we're back for another exciting episode of the Creators Collective. And this will be an exceptionally interesting week as, uh, well, we're going to have a rumble in the jungle. Uh, if you haven't been following Jonathan Katz Moses and William Walker, they have been having a good time on their uh, their Instagrams and such. And Zach will not be with us. He is in Ohio at the uh, the Toolmake, uh, tool right? Springmake. Springmake, there you go. Um, yep. So if you're in the area, say hi to him and he'll be back next week. But uh, yeah, um, Jonathan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, James, I, I'm not, that's fine. I'm Jonathan Katzmoses. I'm not going to get into that right now. You know, Will, this has just been going on too long. Don't laugh. This is not funny. You know, I, I can't keep logging onto my Instagram and being distracted from what I do. And that's provide woodworking content for people who want to learn woodworking. So let's put this to rest. I, I don't, I don't want to continue this back and tit and tit for tat back and forth. I want to challenge you to come out here to Santa Barbara, California, to the International Maker Station for a plane off. We can have, we, you can bring your sharpening stones, your own planes, I don't care, you can use mine. But we're going to have a plane off and we're going to settle this once and for all. Well, I think I think the fair thing for me to do would be to bring my own planes because you would probably try to sabotage me somehow or give me <laughs> hollowed out stones or, or something like that. But yeah, I'll accept your challenge. I'll come out okay, to Santa good. Barbara. Yeah. And you know, Santa? you may think I'm a jerk, but I'm not. I have integrity, my friend. I would not sabotage something. I want this to be fair. I want people to see that I can beat you fair and square. So come on out here. Uh, we'll do like June or July. We'll get you out here and uh, we'll settle this once and for all. In fact, if anybody wants to come out to see the plane off, I'll make it the International Maker Station opening day. We'll do a grand opening. We'll get world famous rodeo clown Sean Boyd out here to judge it. <laughs> and and we will settle this thing. And anybody who wants to come watch this can come. And uh, maybe we'll do something for charity and just make this interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I accept your challenge. Um, you know, I think I've proven time and time again that I'm just better at you than you at sharpening hand planes and taking full width shavings with a smoothing plane. I, I still don't think I've seen you take a full width shaving. Uh, they've all been uh, edge jointings, haven't they? Honestly, one, I've heard worse from better. And two, Will, you should carry around a potted plant so that you can apologize to it regularly for wasting the oxygen it produces. <laughs> All right, guys, well, you heard it here first. Jonathan Katzmoos is challenging me to a plane off a duel amongst gentlemen in Santa Barbara, California at the International Maker Station. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make it open to the public. It'll be the grand opening for the International Maker Station. Uh, we'll have drinks and food, and I will provide all of that. The International Maker Station will. We'll make it a big party. Uh, that, sounds, that sounds good. Uh, Jonathan, how the hell are you, man? Welcome Dude, I'm awesome, podcast. Will. Thank you for uh, uh, appeasing me there. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm great, man. Life's good. Uh, we're working on some really cool projects. I'm. Oh, wait. When do we do? I watch your podcast. So when do we do? What are you working on? Yeah, what are you working on? Okay, cool. Um, so I have had this friend for, I don't know, a little over a decade. I used to run a live music night at this local bar and he would play and like tear the roof off the place. And it was one of those guys where you knew he was going to be a star. And last year he was on The Voice and he did very well. He got second place, I believe, on The Voice. And he hit me up and asked me to build him this desk. Uh, so I've been building this Live Edge walnut desk. 
with wireless charging and his logo in it. And you put your phone on his logo and that's where it charges. Um, and he came in to the international maker station here and did a concert for Mark and I. And oh. so the video is going to have like this live concert footage inside the shop. Cool. And it's like, I'm, it's the video I'm most excited about that I've done in a while. That sounds cool. like a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was awesome. He's got one of those special voices. He's kind of like uh, Joe Cocker meets Etta James meets. Uh, <laughs> hey, well, Jonathan, you've seen you've seen my Joe Cocker. So you've seen it live in person. And Will does one heck of a Joe Cocker, man. Honestly, it was the highlight of karaoke night in Atlanta. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> it wrecked my voice. And I sounded like you in all my talks the next day. <laughs> I think everybody in the, on that trip was doing a Cats Moses impression by day three. We'd, we'd go to listen to these talks all day and then hang out all night. And by the end of it, nobody had slept and uh, everybody was a little Cats Moses around the edges. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a cool project. Uh, it's coming out great. I did this really cool thing with the drawer. So I made this little pen drawer. I didn't want it to take away from the live edge slab. So it's really small, but I scribed it to the edge of the slab. So if you look straight down, you don't see the drawer because it perfectly follows the contour of the slab. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's a cool detail. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. And the wireless charging is really cool because you have to make it so thin. Yeah. And what I did on the CNC, I did this cross hatching pattern on his logo and then I epoxied it. And so when you put your phone on it, it lights up and shines through the logo. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, See, it, that's not real woodworking. You used to CNC. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used it for what it does best, which is logos. <laughs> uh that's that's cool man uh well james what are you working on oh what am i not working on um i'm working on a well working on the bed again uh, this is turning into the dresser slash table <laughs> <laughs> uh but I'm, I'm actually doing all of the resawing for it so on the headboard and footboard there are all these panels uh the panels are uh, 13 inches wide well they're a little mm -hmm. more than 13 inches wide so i'm actually going to resaw and book match um, a quarter sawn oak. So it'd be wow. book matched quarter sawn oak in all the panels. Wow. Uh, but that means resawing, uh, what was it? 25 feet of white oak, six and a half inches wide by hand. Hey, you're not doing that on your bandsaw, James? <laughs> I am the bandsaw. <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes when I watch you work, I am so impressed because, one, you, you make fabulous results. But, two, I know how long that takes. And, you know, on a video, it's maybe a couple minutes. But I'm like, dude, that guy was sweating for hours in the shop reselling that material. <laughs> Now, most people uh, know how hard it is and they throw things at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a machine. Uh, did you ever see that uh, we did a, uh, he came out to Virginia and I had these cherry burls and he had just built his spring pole lathe. Uh, and so I, I, I cut one of the burls in half and I gave him half and I turned one on my lathe, you know, my powered lathe, you know, with sharp chisels and stuff. And he uh -huh. went back to his shop and turned a bowl out of the cherry burl on his spring pole lathe. It's just brutal. <laughs> yeah, that was impressive. It just, I'm always impressed to watch you work, James. Yeah. Wow. Look at yeah. that. That is gorgeous. Uh, it did end up cracking on me. Yeah, mine yeah, did too. Um, but I had I had the pith really close to the edge. The corner right there was where the pith was at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so of course it's gonna crack. But I right love there. the 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 crazy shape on this is just yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh, about a year ago, two years ago, milled up a hundred year old 
walnut tree with a buddy of mine at a ranch very close to my house. And we have all the slabs. And this guy came up to look at them because we're selling them. They're on my website and, and we have them on Craigslist and stuff. And this guy came up to look at them and he said, well, but they're cracked. <laughs> and I had to explain to him, I was like, ah, you must be a little new to this because when you saw a tree down the middle, you get this, you know, I had, had to explain how moisture release works to him. And uh, I said, those are usually considered features. And, you know, with that bowl you made, James, it's it's a feature, you know, yeah. you could you could put a butterfly key in there and make it, you know, it'd be really well, cool. That's when I when I dried this one, I put it in wood shavings for uh, about 20, 24 hours and then pulled it out and let it dry solid. Uh -huh. um, and so just tried to force dry it and make it warp as much as possible. And, uh, is it uh, easier yeah. Is it easier to turn stuff that's wet or dry? Wet. Wait, for, for in general or on a spring pool leaf? Uh, let's make it a two-part question. Okay. It depends on the wood um, mm -hmm. because I have turned like hard maple and I actually prefer to turn that dry than wet uh -huh. really um it I, I find it tends to tear out more wet tools aren't sharp enough or your presentation is wrong <laughs> well i mean like <laughs> in, in softer woods uh you know cherry walnut things like that those are those are um, wet oak oak is definitely wet is better oh yeah that comes off in, in like big beautiful curls wet but trying to turn it dry and it's like you get beat up yeah i have I just, almost no turning experience so i'm always super interested to hear about it Although I always wanted to turn something like super hard, like, uh, you know, um, African blackwood or something of that nature, mm -hmm. like wet. Lign lignum vitae or something. See, uh, see how that does. I bet it would be pretty awesome. The, um, uh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Another big thing with turning dry versus wet. So when you're turning green wood, I mean, you're taking a shower. Like it's, you know, the moisture is like just. <laughs> only on a power lathe. Uh, yeah, only on power. <laughs> I, I used to, uh, on my old planer, uh, it was in the direct line of wetness of green turnings um for my lathe so i'd spin it and turn and then i had this line of like splatter like blood splatter but but <laughs> from the tree on my on my the outfeed of my uh planer bed and then turning dry you build up a lot of heat so the shavings that are coming off the gouge if you're holding the gouge um you know kind of with your pinky like with your hand on top or like this um the shavings coming off actually like get your your pinky like ridiculously hot like where you have to like stop and like shake it off wow. and, yeah power, yeah I've, power problems i know i <laughs> i've always been... slowed that down and made it go in reverse every so often it would <laughs> fix that issue it's self-cooling right <laughs> yeah if you uh made it a workout like churning butter it would be you know way easier on you well <laughs> uh sean fushi in the uh in the comments in the live chat says i tune in expecting wrestlemania and will is talking about blood splatter crabs popcorn <laughs> <laughs> that's how uh, will vanquishes his enemies he runs them through the planers that's right <laughs> now other things i've got going on um i just did a uh, uh i'm actually working with another channel um octane monkey he does a, a car channel with a lot of fun stuff on there but we did a, a crossover collab where i'm actually making his logo emblem to be put on his vmw oh, uh, cool. yeah and so he's going to take off the bmw circle logos and put his logo on front and back of the car awesome um, really so we neat. actually decided to try and do that as a live and it worked oh. out pretty well because we could do my normal live but then have him and one of the hangout windows uh -huh. um, and so it was, it was kind of an interesting live because there were questions being asked about woodworking and questions being asked about cars and it was a, it was a good time all around. That's cool. But, Did you do that on your hand-powered CNC? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, joking of that, that is on my list. One of these days, I want to make one. Um, it's it. I have the designs in my head. I just it, it's a crazy amount of building. Right. But the idea is you get a spindle turning upright, so the the router bit is sticking up and it's mm -hmm. foot powered. Uh -huh. And so you're pedaling, turning the router, and then the work goes face down on the on the the router. Right. And then you have two knobs, sort of like an etch a sketch. Mm -hmm. So you can design X Y axis with that. Right. And well, spinning it with your feet. And so the idea is you have to actually still write the program of so many cranks X, so many cranks Y while you're pedaling. And right. so you so you write out the whole program and then you flip it over and you see what it looks like just like you would with a CNC, but completely foot driven. That would be so cool. It'd be like learning to play the drums though. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it's like, you know, rubbing your belly while patting your head. You know? Have you ever yeah. run a spring pull lathe? You balance on one leg. The other leg is moving up and down. The other leg is trying to balance the, uh, the other leg. <laughs> one hand is holding the lathe in place and one hand is trying to control the, the tool. All well then trying to keep an eye on your angle. Right. When you built that, did one of your legs get like way bigger than the other? No, um, actually you get very good at, at switching mid-stroke um, oh. between legs. And so you do half on one leg and half on the other leg. That's what she said, James. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It'll be my, that'll be my last, last dirty joke of the podcast. No, it won't. <laughs> yeah. Cat Moses is certainly faster than William Walker company. That's what she said. Yep. <laughs> it, uh, it's become a thing. My, my, uh, editor, Mark likes to put in really, really, really short clips of Michael Scott giggling when I, when I make, uh, dirty jokes i mean unintentional dirty jokes and he'll put like a a one frame clip of michael scott like giggling it's pretty funny well on your on your la latest video your sharpening video which is blowing up by the way um thank you which i congratulations it drives me nuts if i do a sharpening video i get like two people to watch it but um <laughs> but you well, did, it tells you who does it better yeah right <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I like that, Jonathan, uh, you also subscribe to the ruler trick. Um, and you mentioned just the tip about 25 times in that video. And we, the <laughs> we made a conscious decision not to put the Michael Scott clip in there because we knew that people would do it in the comments. We we're like, let's pretend that I didn't care that I said this 500 times. And then in, if you look in the comments, it's like half the comments are just the tip comment. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, so James doesn't subscribe to the ruler trick. Uh, he thinks you just flatten the back. And I say it's a time saver to, to use the ruler trick. It I really only flatten the back once and then it's done. Right. And then you just take the burr off when yeah, you sharpen. One quick stroke on the strop and it's done. I could I I can get behind that. Um I think the reason I like the back trick is that I know in my my head that it is done. And it freaks me out when I sharpen if I feel like I didn't go all the way and I get really worried <laughs> that I'm selling my I just took all my my stones out, got water, took the time to sharpen and I didn't do the last step it would i i wouldn't even be able to play and i would have to go back and do it like i yeah. just my woodworking sharpening ocd See, i did the ruler trick for a while and then i lost the ruler <laughs> and now i don't i have a, i have an old japanese saw blade that i use which occasionally i forget is sharp on one side and slice one of my fingers <laughs> open but uh that's thin enough that it really just is super quick yeah, I feel like it's it's also um, getting somebody that isn't 
familiar with sharpening or who had never done it or who have never felt what a sharp iron feels like, I feel like it's a good, a better entry, yeah. easier level of entry for somebody that's just sharpening for the first time. That's more foolproof because if you're, if you do accidentally round the tip, lifting up the blade or something of that nature, it just allows you to clean that. Yeah. And you know, for me, the reason I've done a few sharpening videos is I, when I you know, all of us, probably our audience is skewed towards beginner intermediate. Uh, maybe James is a little bit more expert, but the, the general view audience on YouTube is more beginner intermediate. And I yeah, just yeah. tell people, I'm like, you have to, you have to have to learn how to get it sharp. That is the most important thing. Yeah. If you're going to have a good time, you have to get it sharp. And there's many ways to do that. But that's why I kind of do these long sharpening videos, because I want people to understand one, it's not that hard if you follow kind of a set of rules, you know, in your head, which is the same angle and, you know, uh, doing certain things in a certain order. But it's just guys, it has to be sharp and you will have so much more fun like cutting dovetails planing all of that if it's sharp you will have more fun and i try and really impress that on my audience yeah i mean it's it's you're not you don't want to fight your tools and you know a dull iron is going to give you more tear out mm -hmm. uh you know a dull saw you're not going to be have fun cutting dovetails a dull chisel you're just not going to get much done at all that, that's actually one of the things i tell a lot of my audience is that uh, one of the big reasons that hand tools disappeared is that sharpening disappeared and with with power tools there's two things you have to learn number one you have to learn how to set up the jig to run the power tool mm -hmm. and you have to know how to dial that in and number two you have to know either where you can send the blade to be sharpened or where you can buy a new one right uh, with hand tools you have to learn two things number one you have to learn how to sharpen it and then number two you have to learn how to use the tool right um, and it's it's very similar but it tends to be more skill driven as opposed to more mathematical setup right and one thing to add to that the blade part of this is if anybody who's listening who has power tools get a bottle of simple green your blade is not dull it is dirty and you know clean it a <laughs> yeah. few times yeah and then get a new one you will save yourself hundreds of dollars over the course of a year and it makes the most massive difference i learned that trick i would always like get like you know alcohol and a steel brush and then sean boyd one time said oh just put simple green on it yeah. and that especially that, if you're working like pines and softwoods oh my god gums them up yeah. instantly oh all the pitch in it yeah I have a sign in my shop that says no reclaimed or construction lumber for that reason. Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, my neighbor always shows up with like a two by four and goes, hey, man, uh, do you think I could run this through the planer? And I'm like, I'm sorry, man. I'm not cleaning my blades for that two by four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Will, what you got going on? Oh, man, I'm all over the place. Uh, so my sister's wedding is this weekend. Awesome. And, Congrats. Yeah, thank you. And um yeah, she's, she's marrying a super awesome guy. Uh, they're our next door neighbors, and it's like, you know, I've got another man uh, in the neighborhood now. So that's cool. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, in, in true uh, procrastination walker fashion, um, she waited till yesterday afternoon to ask me to print her, like, signing guest book thing make oh. a frame for it. Um, <laughs> and then while she was in my shop, uh, she saw the media console that I'm finishing up for tools today. And she asked what's going to happen to it next. And I said, well, after I'm finished with the video, I'm going to sell it. And she was like, oh, that would be a great, great wedding present. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that would be a really nice wedding present. Um, so, and my mother-in-law is in town helping with uh, our baby Callum, who's six weeks old today. Um, 
and getting ready for the pool that we put in last summer fall season to open i have been in like full like <laughs> get the like get the yard and, and and everything ready uh so i totally regraded my backyard i tore out a retaining wall seeded straw uh raked planted wildflowers on like steep inclines uh i am getting ready to put a new stair system off of our deck down to the pool uh, yesterday I was laying flooring in the basement that I, that I just finished or in the middle of finishing cause my flooring is not done. Um, all while trying to make money woodworking and get stuff done to the shop and make videos. And I've been totally scatterbrained. Uh, so I feel like I've, I've been doing a lot, but I can't tell you exactly what I've finished. So sounds, <laughs> sounds like you're trying to do the decathlon, but all the events at once. Yes, that's exactly. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. It's like, I change gears, like, all right, that's done. And then I change gears and like go lay flooring and then, oh, I got to go get, put another coat of finish on this. And then, oh, I'm also making a knife. Uh, my sister doesn't want the podcast. So uh, I'm making a knife for their, uh, a kitchen knife for their for their wedding present um, out of 1075. It is now hardened and tempered. I need to uh, clean up the blade, put the scales on, sharpen it, and make a box to put it in. That's it by this weekend? That's easy. Yeah, that's, yeah, right? Like, just get it <laughs> get it done now, right? Um, that you're, that's awesome, man. Usually, I love this trick. On Amazon, for $35, you can buy a Damascus steel 10-inch kitchen knife blank. That really? is really, really cool. I mean, they do a really good job, really tight swirls in it. It's beautiful. And then I just put nice scales on it and uh, put some, you know, uh, oh, my God, what are those brass pins called? Um, oh, the mosaic pins? No, that you put in the handle to keep it on there. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Just the pins. You just pin it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I pin it with brass pins, and it blows people away. You know, take a couple pieces of off cuts and glue them together and tell it, say, it's a cutting board and knife set. And yeah. uh that's my go-to gift uh, and people are blown away and it costs 40 bucks, you know, cause it's the rest is all scrap wood. Well, I wish, I wish I had known that, you know, before I made the knife <laughs> and before the wedding was, you know, in like two three days. days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's what I've been working on. And, uh, you know, I get up at, you know, I go to bed at 11, I get up at one thirty, three thirty, and six thirty. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be uh, with you there in three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Three weeks, man. Three weeks, man. Oh, baby, baby is coming. Oh man. Well, I see a lot less, uh, feuding. <laughs> Post on Instagram from you in three weeks. Oh no, I'll be less sleep, <laughs> angrier, more volatile. Is that number two for you? Number one. Oh really? Oh yeah, that I know of. Ah, uh, the that I know of. Yeah, <laughs> that you've that you've sired uh, yeah. willingly <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> oh uh, man, yeah, I'm super excited. I uh, James, any tips? <laughs> Get really well at sleeping through all the sounds. Awesome. Nothing I can sleep. Then, it's so nice. Well, then your wife, then your wife will be mad at you because you slept through it all while she wakes up. And deals yeah, with it. she finds it easier to get up and take care of it than it does to me wake me than it does to wake me up. Uh, yeah, you you need a cattle prod to wake me up some nights. My wife uh, is not too is not too quick uh, or not too slow to smack me in the face of the pillow if I'm not waking up when I'm supposed to or if I'm like snoring or something. Yeah, well, smacking you is something that my wife, your wife, and I have in common. <laughs> Oh, 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 nice dig. That was a good one. Yeah. I, I, uh. I thought we'd settled this beef, but uh, I had something bubble up inside me. Hey, by the way, <laughs> uh, 
something you said when you were talking about what you were working on led me to a question. And if I'm derailing things, please stop me, guys. Yeah, um, how do you handle what, what is your technique for handling those kind of requests when a friend or, or a family <laughs> member says, hey, I have this really easy thing. Do you think you could? And it's it's one, you see it. It's not easy. Two, it's, you know, it's going to take hours, maybe days to do. And, you know, it's somebody you like. What's your technique? Because I recently had somebody who asked me, hey, I just have this really simple thing. And it looks like a massive undertaking. Um, so I learned this a long time ago in my photography business. Um, a, charge what you're worth, even if it is friends. Um, so I know that, you know, I get what you're, what you're going after. I get that question a lot. Um, you know, the, Hey, you know, the people kind of leaning in, like, I wish I knew somebody that was a woodworker and could help me with this thing that I can't find and, you know, custom build it. Um, and then I go, okay, yeah, let's talk about it and look at the project. And I'm like, okay, well, that's at least, you know, two or three shop days, you know, it'll be, mm -hmm. you know, thousand, fifteen hundred bucks, something like that. Yeah. And they go, Oh wow. I was thinking like a hundred dollars. And I'm like, well, <laughs> find somebody cheaper. I don't know. Like, um, it, it, uh, I, I, I get into the same thing and part of what happens to me, you know, is I, I have lived in this town for a long time and I know a lot of people. And so people know what I do. They see my Instagram and, and I'll have people come by the shop and check it out. Cause it's just really cool place. You know, it's like a 3000 square foot warehouse. And then, then the, Hey, I'm going to stop by. I'm in the area and they bring wood with them. And then, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I get into these situations where, I want to be helpful and I don't want to say no, but you know, I think a lot of people who have tools get that. Like uh, it's the old, the, Hey, you have a truck, right? And then you're oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm getting asked to help move here. And yeah. uh, my answer is yeah. like, yeah, you can borrow it anytime. So another thing, um, so if it's a, 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 like a, a good friend or somebody that's done me a favor, uh, one of my good friends, Joe uh, has this saying that I guess his dad told him is never, uh, be afraid to do someone a favor, but also never be afraid to cash one in. Uh, right. So like, he's like a guy, Hey, I'm building this stair system and I need, you know, another set of hands that, you know, knows kind of what they're doing and not some green newbie that's going to drop a two by 12 on my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he'd be like, yeah, man, let's do it. And then, you know, maybe in two months he'd say, Hey, I got this job coming up and I really need, you know, whatever. Then, uh, you know, it's like, well, you did help me with that. So I'm happy to help you with that. Um, I recently had somebody, it was like a friend of a friend. Um, hey, like your friend's a so-and-so and he says whatever. And uh, I've got this project. It would have taken me by myself maybe an hour to do it. Uh, um, but he really wanted to be part of the process and he like, didn't know anything about woodworking, but he like wanted to, you know, be a part of it to say that he had his hands on it. And I said, okay, well, shop time is 50 bucks an hour. And That's fair. Yeah. That's super fair. And then he was here for four hours. So it cost him 200 bucks. No, I had, I have the easy way out when someone brings something to me because uh, I actually just like last week, I had someone want me to build them a hall table. And they had a really simple design, just like a shaker, four legs, a skirt, and a top. Right. And um, they wanted it just out of simple pine and stained. And I thought, oh, okay. Um, so I said, okay, well, if I if I have power tools and I did it with pocket holes, I could probably whip one out in a day and have it ready for you. It'd probably be about eight hours worth of work for me. But I don't. I have hand tools. And so it's probably going to be somewhere between 30 and 45 hours worth of work. Um and once I actually start to list out what all it actually takes, and they're like, oh, okay, um, yeah, then no. And I just make them feel bad by listing all of the things that I have to do with hand tools, and they usually right. back off. 
And I mean, <laughs> you you really do have the hey, that's going to take me seventy two hours excuse. Yeah, uh, my excuse is uh, a. It takes time to track down the material. It takes time to design. It takes time to actually get the joinery done. It takes time once I apply finish. If unless I you know set up my finishing room which I totally stole from from you, Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> Good. The, the painter's plastic, you know, the the whatever, uh, you know, big rolls of plastic. I'd stapled it to the floor joist uh, above me in the ceiling of my shop. Um, That's awesome. And, and just have a booth that I can, um, you know, set up where I can have a finishing station then get back to more work and not, not worry, worry about, about getting now. sawdust on it. You know what's really cool that you can buy if you ever want to make it a little bit more permanent is zip walls. You, I'm sure you've heard of them, but uh, it's a construction thing that they use for sealing off areas for dust. And they have these poles that extend sort of like a like a, a spring clamp. Mm -hmm. And they go, you go up and then you spring clamp it a little bit and it's real tight. And they have these zippered walls that, you know, you can buy in whatever, eight by 10 sheets and they zip together. And it's, they're not that expensive. We're talking, you know, 50, 60 bucks for a kit with poles and you can get oh, wow. four of them and make it a permanent sort of finishing room. That's very easy to take down. That's, that's pretty cool. I'm going to look into that because yeah, right now I just have it kind of, I got, I've got a scrap of, uh, you know, whatever long thing I had, I had like poplar and a piece of scrap maple, um, Ooh. that I just stapled to the bottom of the plastic. So it was easy to roll up. And then I just hold it up there with a spring clamp. That's um, what we did. Funny, funny story about our finishing room is we're we are 30 miles south of the windiest point in North America. <laughs> and this is what we call the windy season because uh, the wind just gets really intense in the spring. And so I went home one night and we had like 70 mile an hour winds and it blew our whole finishing room with uh, it had like two by sixes rolled into it. Blew it off the loading dock, over the fence, and ended up in the street, and just, it's gone. There's no saving that thing. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, is that, you guys are in Santa Barbara. Uh, is that the Santa Ana winds that you guys get? Or is that? Uh, those are in the, the fall. That's the heat coming off the desert, and that's what okay. makes our wine grapes so good in this area, okay. um, is that it doesn't. It stays warm at night and never gets too cold in the fall before harvest. But during the spring, we get uh, the northwestern winds, which are pretty good for surf. They make pretty good surf, but they uh, are really they can get really really strong. And we've got uh, Point Conception, which is the further furthest most point. <laughs> on There's the a West baby Coast. joke in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, point conception was about eight months and one week ago. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Shot the Moses. Uh, well, we have a question from the audience. Ooh. Um, Alec McCann. McCann. McMahon. 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 There you Mc go. McCann. McMahon. That's how you pronounce that. Oh, it's an H. McMahon. Okay. McMahon. Yep. <laughs> Any tips for storing lumber outside? I've got a bunch of already dried walnut that I need to keep outdoors. Any tips? Do I just throw a tarp over top of it yeah i would i would cover the top but leave the ends open i wouldn't completely encapsulate it uh yeah because yeah. you don't want it to get too hot in there on a hot day that tarp would act like a sauna if the ends weren't open yeah what i do is um i, I get it up off the ground you don't want Definitely. any ground contact um and you want to make sure that that whatever you're getting it off the ground whether it's cinder blocks or anything are level you don't want to introduce any twist into your stack um, and then I use uh, stickers, which are just sticks that you put in between each layer of, of uh, you know, a row of boards. Separate uh, them about a half inch to three quarter. Yeah. And then that gives you good air movement through. 
Um, and then I use uh, roofing metal uh, sheets on top and put a little weight on top um, to keep the roofings down. And I overhang it, you know, so the rain doesn't get to it. But that's how, that's what I use for keeping things dry and not yeah. hot. Yeah, I've got about 60 slabs up in San Inez, uh, and we basically do the same thing. We have some – we built – and we built like a simple structure, you know, a couple four by fours with some roofing metal just over the top of it. We've got them sort of stacked off the ground and level levels. You want to try yes. and go for level because your wood, whatever those stickers mm -hmm. are off are going to, it's going to do that over time. So um, wood is not, once it's dry, it doesn't mean it's not going to move anymore. So you want to make sure that your stickers are all cut from the same cloth. Yep. Now the, uh, the only thing that I, I do slightly differently is I will put a, a tarp or a sheet of metal on top of the ground. So if there's any rain, it doesn't splatter dirt up into the stack uh, because that dirt right. will, uh, anytime you run it through a planer, that's where you, a lot of nicks come from. Yeah. If I was oh, yeah. hand, hand sharpening all of my tools, I would yeah. definitely make sure dirt didn't get on the wood too. <laughs> oh, man. Well, actually, I have a, a friend in Pennsylvania um, who his entire job is air drying lumber. Oh, wow. Um, and so he has guessing like 20, 30 acres of just stacks and stacks and stacks of lumber that's been drying for you know a decade or more. Wow. Um, but he has these rigs set up and they're, they're basically a big bag that he will slide a pallet's worth of, you know, 10 foot long lumber into. And they have, um, it's a tarp on the bottom and then a tarp on the top. And then the sides are screen, um, yeah. material I've so seen that those. animals don't get into them and the splattering mud doesn't get into them. I've but seen the air still flows through them nicely. Um, when I was stacking, when I was, I was milling some, I had a mobile mill come out and I was, uh, milling up and the guy like sent me a link to those bags um and they were super cool but they were i was being cheap um, yeah <laughs> uh but there is a follow-up question um to that question from mike uh is it tabar tabar um so he's going to buy some rough sawn walnut and hard maple for a trestle table build uh, my problem is doing it when it's not raining what effect would one hour exposure moderate uh, exposure to moderate rain on the highway have um, something surface moisture yeah it would be moderate exposure i i've driven with wood in the back of my truck many times while it's raining and one because of the way the wind is going you're never having water just sitting on it so it's not just puddling and really just bring it home and and uh, uh, let it dry in your shop for a couple of days. You'll be just fine. I would really invest in a moisture meter. In fact, James a while back did a great video with moisture meters, I believe. Is that right, James? That was you? Yeah. With like the pin style moisture meter. I thought it was a great meter. one, but I did that. <laughs> well, James produced a piece of content anyways uh, <laughs> that had moisture meters in it. And it was really good rundown. And I actually bought one based on his recommendations that wasn't the pin style. It was the, the moisture that read. Uh, through the wood. That one's way better. It's like 50 bucks on Amazon. I'm sure James can put a link in the comments, but I highly recommend it. I use it all the time because what happens is you develop a baseline for your shop and you go, my shop wood should be at 10% or 12%. And so when you transfer wood from another location to your shop, you can figure out when it's shop ready and you know that it's acclimated. So it's a good investment for anybody who's doing this long term. Um, so I actually have a question uh, about this. So I obviously have a, a big stockpile of wood in my shop because, you know, you always find that perfect piece of wood that you can't live without that you don't have to <laughs> for. So, so you get it anyway and you put it on your lumber rack. Um, so I've got just a ton of wood that's acclimated to my shop. And usually if I'm buying a bunch of stock, it's going to sit in my shop for, you know, a couple of weeks while I'm finishing another project before I start that project. And um, so it's well acclimated. But what do you guys do when your shop 
relative humidity is different than the final home it's going into. Um, <laughs> I think like, you have to plan it's for called that. good joinery. Yeah. I mean, we, you got to plan for that. If I'm sending a piece of furniture from here to, in fact, I am sending a piece of furniture from here to Nashville and I did the dovetails on the drawer much looser uh, for that reason, because yeah, you know, the, the humidity the, in Nashville is going to be a lot higher than Santa Barbara, right? Oh, I mean, Santa Barbara is pretty low humidity comparatively, yeah. except we are by the ocean. So, and my shop yeah. is about half a mile from the ocean. So it's like, we get a little bit, but my point being is that my dovetails are much looser than something that I would produce for somebody local. Okay. Right. So it, it just took a, you know, a cursory Google search, I guess, and, and doing a little bit of figuring, but you know, wood typically only moves about an eighth of an inch over what, eight feet or four feet or something like that. Oh, yes. of an inch well, it depends foot. on the moisture. I mean, if you go from pure dry to outside and soaked, you can get an eighth inch over a foot for most like hardwoods, like oak. Right. But like, you know, you look at like a hardwood, the old school hardwood floor, you know, thing was an eighth of an inch per four feet or eight feet or something like that mm -hmm. of, of room on the edge of the, the room that you're installing the hardwood flooring. So, you know, wood isn't, if you build a one inch jewelry box and send it to, you know, uh, Florida from from California. It's not <laughs> for gonna, really small earrings. Yeah, yeah it's not really like cool. you're you're mailing a a bomb to somebody. It's not going to explode, you know, when it gets there. But you just you want to take into account and give yourself a little bit of room. Yeah, good tips, good tips. Uh, and also think about how the wood's going to move. You know, it, it moves across the grain, not really with the grain. So you want to look at your joinery and say, you know, how is there another way to approach this where I can, you know, orient boards the same way and casework same thing you know it all sort of wraps around and then it moves together you know right yeah so good question i just thought it was a good question to talk about on the podcast um for anyone listening no uh, i think that's it's one of the biggest concerns i feel like there's this overblown concern about wood movement like you know did you guys hear that sound i think my table just blew up <laughs> <laughs> It's true. I mean, every time I post a video, somebody, some person who says, hey, I'm new to woodworking. Aren't you concerned about this exploding and killing somebody? And you're like, <laughs> no, wood moves together. It moves together. And when you have opposing forces, that's when you would think about it a little bit more. But if I'm doing casework, man, it's like, yes, it's going to move, but they're all going to move the same. You know, they're yep. all going to expand and contract the same. And that's what things like breadboard ends are for and, and things like that. But guys, it moves one way and then it comes back, you know, two seasons later. And it, it just, it's not, I've never, 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 never had a piece of furniture fail. No matter, you know, from the first one I ever built to the one, you know, one I made yesterday, nothing has ever failed on me. And I've never been that concerned about it. I've had one fail, um, but that was one of the first things I built. I was like eight years old and it went <laughs> from being in an air conditioned shop to being outside in the rain. Oh, well, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Was anybody hurt? <laughs> no, just cracked. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> just the person that tried to sit on it, right? Yeah. yeah. No, it was a uh, it was a bird feeder. Oh, oh well, you're not supposed to sit on bird feeders anyway. Yeah. Well, no, I, I put the um I I basically stop datoed in a board into another board cross grain. And so when it expanded, it cracked the board it went into. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, cool. Where are we in life? James? Yeah, I think uh, we need to talk about. Um, well, we're not. We did questions. Oh, okay. Uh, joke of the week. Oh no, creators photo challenge. Because next time uh, we have a, a thing going on for do you love me or do you cactus? Which if you don't know, you need to go back and listen to the last podcast. <laughs> 
Um, and so we're looking for pictures that, uh, that describe, do you love me or do you care? And yeah. we've only had one or two, and one of those is Williams. Yeah, I, I saw I'm that. Still, I'm still trying to win this stupid thing. And... <laughs> So I have I have your a, odds of winning are really sorry. good. Yeah. What's that? Um I, I have a submission for joke of the week. What's that? Will Walker's planing. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a deep dig. Was, that hurt. That hurt a little bit. That's cool. I take full width shavings with a smoothing plane. So, you know. I take w- shavings that are wider than full width. That's impressive. I'd like to see that. He just looks yeah. at it and stares at it. I take full width shaving with a block plane on a 12-inch wide board. That's, yeah. All right. I basically just stole James's joke and made it longer and worse. <laughs> well, along those lines, what do you guys call a can opener that doesn't work? <laughs> what do you call it? A can't opener. Let's see what's what's been inspiring us. Will, what you got? Uh, shoot. Uh... Fine. Well, you're thinking I'll go. Okay, you go. <laughs> uh, I, I know I've mentioned the channel before with the Marble Machine X on YouTube. Oh. Um, it, he Well, he made a Marble Machine that created music a while ago, but it was really kind of a, a junky thing that didn't quite work, but it was enough to he could make a song out of it. And uh, so he's remaking it and calling it the Marble Machine X. Um, but it's a, a couple year long process. Uh, well, he just put out a video yesterday um, and he has the, the full cycle of the marbles running on it now and mm. it is absolutely gorgeous to watch i just a, a piece of art watching this thing moving marbles around little bit by little bit um just yeah it, it's one of those channels as soon as he puts out a video i'm there watching it it is it's phenomenal phenomenal channel and so much I- inspiration in there in mechanical movements and how you connect things and how you problem solve uh, there's always an interesting idea in there to learn something new so definitely worth taking a look at yeah, I follow along that that build as well. And it is just, it's so unbelievable the way that guy's mind works and the way he solves problems. It's so neat. Yeah, his his original um, Marble Machine video is over 100 million views. So it's, it's it's a solid video. Yeah. I got to check it out. I try to check it out. You have it? Oh, yeah, definitely. This is. Oh, as a musician. You'll be well, subscribing you, instantly. Yeah, you'll lose your mind. It's. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And he collaborates with a lot of people, which makes it super cool. You know, he has other machinists build parts and solve problems with him. It's so neat. That's cool. All right. I'm going to have to check that out. I think it's like 79 videos in the current build series for this. And he probably has another 20 or 30 to go before the thing's fully done. Oh, That's... yeah. And he's like a really unique guy. He's just so yeah. like lovably weird and funny. He's and... Norwegian living in France. Mm-hmm. Ah, all right. <laughs> and is is the he is the perfect example of what you would imagine an engineer and prodigy musician would look like yeah 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 the cross between an engineer a rock star a norwegian french guy (laughs) i i I feel like it's like you know the perfect way to describe you know you know there's people like with those brains that just like they work a little bit differently than yours like that Mm -hmm. they see like they see in numbers and like yeah, if there was a montage of his life, it would just be like him staring into the distance as numbers popped up over his head and pi and yeah. the Pythagorean theorem. <laughs> I'm pretty excited because my son was born on Pi Day, 314. Oh, oh there you go. Yeah, well, I've got a lot of jokes about that. <laughs> well, what you got, Will? Okay, all right. Um, this is probably stupid, but um, I, I've been inspired by myself. No, uh, the latest video <laughs> that I did, <laughs> the latest video I did was... Uh, it was just super simple. It was about um, tips with CA glue and blue tape. Um, 
that was uh, so the Wood Whisperer, Mark Spagnola had put out a video a while ago just talking about the benefits of blue tape and CA glue instead of uh, carpet tape or, or double sided tape. Um, and I adopted that and I totally uh, love, I think he's totally right. It's just easier to peel it off and it, it works really well. So I took that um, and I took uh, uh, Mike Pekovich's uh, laying out dovetails with blue tape trick and I made a video on it uh, about you know, some different ways of using blue tape and CA glue. And it's my new favorite way for inlaying uh, butterflies or bow ties or dovetail keys, whatever you want to call them. Um, and, you know, just getting back to simple tricks like that uh, made me just kind of happy. So I wasn't <laughs> inspired by myself, but I was like, oh, yeah, that is a cool trick that other people should know about. Um, so that's that's what I got. And James cool. looks like uh, powder. Is that who you look like right now? <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is so cool. I had to put on my shades. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> what you will, uh, uh, John? What you got? Um. So lately, I have been inspired by a couple. One is there's a guy named Mike Boyd who does this thing where he learns a skill, a brand yes. new skill that that terrifies him, or you know he's been scared to do, or whatever. And I I work I work so much. I work you know ten to twelve hours every day. And I do that five, six days a week uh, and sometimes much longer. And one of the things I'm always looking to do is how to hack my brain and learn how to be more efficient and learn how to remember things better and more organized. And Mike Boyd, he's gone recently from just learning to juggle or solve a Rubik's Cube to all these sort of brain hacks where he says, this is how I hack my memory. And this is how I hack my productivity. Memorize a hundred words of pie. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's kind of what made me think about it when Will said pie day is that was so cool. He did that in what, eight hours. He memorized a hundred digits of pie. And so that kind of stuff I really like. And then uh, uh, Lars Christensen, who has the Fusion 360 CNC channel, um, I have decided in my head that I'm going to become a Fusion 360 expert. I find it I find it so valuable. And, you know, I just got a, a laser. I got a 150-watt laser. Uh, I have the CNC, and I love that stuff. And I, I'm always so sad that nobody wants to watch those videos because I think it's so interesting. But I use it a lot for my prototyping and, and developing of my products. All of my products go through the laser or the CNC or, or somewhere in my shop. So uh, learning Fusion 360 has been a heavy priority on my list. So I want to, I would watch all of those videos. So if you do it, I'll watch it because I want to learn Fusion 360 uh, because uh, Make or Break Shop just put out a video why Fusion 360 is so much better than SketchUp. And I've heard it from other uh, CNC people. Uh, but back to your laser, are you going to mount that laser to your, you have an Invendables X card, right? Or is it no, I have an Axiom, no. Axiom, which is a much bigger machine. Because uh, okay. I actually, I, I use the CNC. It, it makes all my dovetail alignment boards. So that thing's running a couple hours a day. The laser is 150 watts. So it's massive. Um, and it's got a five foot by four and a half foot bed. Oh, so, so it's not just the laser; it's the whole laser. It's the whole laser. Yeah, I had a, I had this Chinese company reach out to me uh, to, and so we worked, uh, we worked a deal, which I desperately needed one because that's how I engrave all my jigs. And so, you know, now it has the capacity to engrave almost 250 jigs at one time, wow. which is big deal. But it's the size of a Yaris. I mean, <laughs> legitimately, is the size of a Yaris. It is so big. And uh, we almost died getting it here. I really underestimated how big it was. And for any of our older listeners uh, that aren't familiar with the Yaris, it's about the size of a Yugo. Yeah. 
<laughs> a, a legitimate Volkswagen Beetle. Like it's that big. Um, not quite as tall, but it's that big. And we got it here in a U-Haul, which is terrible for moving heavy things because it has no tie-down hooks that are hooked to the frame. <laughs> so we just essentially had this thing tied down to sheet metal, driving down the freeway at 55 miles an hour. And then the getting it out of the truck, I had to steal a neighbor's forklift. Uh, it was... Oh, it was an adventure. It was an adventure. But we got it here, and it's awesome. And it's cool. really awesome. Sorry, I really rambled there. Go ahead. Well, let's get on to uh, our favorite tool of the week. Uh, since you're talking, what's yours? Um, mine is the Wood River block plane. I just got it, and it's as nice as any other nice block plane. But what makes it unique is it has this cantilevered lever cap. So when I need to take the blade out, I don't have to unscrew anything. Uh, I can just lift up on the lever cap, and it it has this like cantilevered levered mechanism in it that is spring loaded and it just lifts up and I can take the blade out, give it a quick sharpen, put it back in. It really has sped up my block plane sharpening process and adjustment. Now that lever system um, was developed by Stanley. And if you can come across one of those old Stanley block planes with that one, um, they, they are, they're very expensive. I mean, they're, they're a block plane that rusted and in poor condition is still selling for 60 bucks whoa um and they're they are the coveted block plane huh. i was very happy to see that uh, wood river took that uh, design because it is a very good one it's beautiful and it works so and it well. feels good in the hand too yeah it's really it's a and it's it's a, a uh, it's an inch and five eighths so it's really wide block plane i really like that i've really enjoyed having that extra width yeah. Cool. What about you, Will? Uh, well, I have to go with the Cats Moses dovetail jig. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me send that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the Cats Moses dovetail jig. Um, Jonathan was, was cool enough to send me out uh, a couple of them um, to try out, and uh, they're, they're really they're just nice. They're super nice. Um, even if even if I'm cutting my dovetails freehand nowadays, uh, they are a great. Uh, just a great tool. So um, I think you did a video with Sean Boyd, didn't you? Where he cut his like first dovetails ever. Yeah, him? I did. Yeah. Um, so. uh, yeah. It's I uh, thank you so much, Will. It is really so neat to hear it when people say that because it really just it's makes me feel great. And I really appreciate it. Well, and the and the fit and finish on them is just really just really cool. Uh, so they just he he puts a lot of work into them. Um, and they're they're pretty sexy looking. So well, thank you. And um, actually, it's it really sorry. Go ahead, Jason. It is the only dovetail jig I have in my shop. Oh well, thank you. Um, you know, it's really very cool for me. Recently, there's this new local technology museum, and it's this massive place. It's a nonprofit, very well supported by the community. They released a six month exhibit on the dovetail jig and me. It was really cool. They had a big unveiling. It was it was. Huh. Neat. I saw that. I saw you posted that, and I was like, "That that is cool. That's really cool." It was uh, quite the proud moment for me. I, I it, you know, I like to. Well, I mostly am a humble person, and uh, <laughs> it, it really gave me a lot of pride. I, I felt pretty good about that. That was neat. Very cool. cool. Well, I think that about does it for this week. Am I missing anything? I don't think I am. So if you want to follow us, uh, feel free to follow us on whatever your favorite podcast is. We do record live every Thursday here on the Creators Collective YouTube channel. And I uh, want to say a huge thank you to Katz Moses. Definitely go take a look at his video on uh, his you. channel. We've got a link to that in the description. And I think that about does it. So until next time, have a magical day. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you having me. Thanks for coming on, Jonathan. See you guys. My pleasure. Thanks again for listening to The Creators Collective. We publish weekly on Thursdays in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can follow us on social media pages everywhere at Creators Collective. 
We're also live streaming every week on Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Just look up the YouTube channel to join in on the fun of the live chat and get your questions answered live. And until next time, keep on creating.